Great. We are in the middle of a series called Nailed It. Hashtag Jesus Nailed It. Because he did. For 2,000 years, people have asked the question, is Jesus any different from anyone else? People have asked the question, is he really the Son of God that he claimed to be? People have asked the question, does his death really make any difference to anybody else as people all over the world continue to claim? People ask the question amongst all the religions of the day. And Richard Branson quoting today on Twitter about us all being neighbors and all honoring one another. He's absolutely right. But he goes on to talk about all beliefs being of equal value. But yet Jesus said something different to that. Was he right or was he terribly wrong? Is there really only one true way? And is my life actually bigger than the sum of my years? And is Jesus the winner, the conqueror, the one in whom I can put my trust? Is he the God above all gods? Yes. The resurrection says, yes, Jesus nailed it. Why? Because dead men don't rise. Dead men don't rise. You've noticed that. If there was any longing in our hearts, it would be that those who have died would rise again. But dead men don't rise. He said, after three days, I will rise again. He nailed it. And in our culture today, we could be forgiven for thinking that we are in some strange minority. Coming to church on Easter Day, believing in the resurrection. Hashtag Easter means has trended on Twitter all morning. Because all around the world, some two billion people are worshipping today the risen Jesus. We're part of a great family. And as you slipped into church this morning, barely unnoticed by what seemed to be a mass of people outside, that is not the global story. The global story is that all around the world, all across the nations, people are saying, He's risen. He's risen indeed. Today we're going to journey with Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary Magdalene. Mary, one of the followers, the early followers of Jesus. We know that she'd gone early, early asked with some other women to the tomb. Just one last time to be near him. Just one last act of devotion to anoint his body with the spices of burial. A final act of love. The ending of a life of devotion. And to be fair, it's understandable why Mary would want to be there so early that morning. She owed everything to Jesus. We know that Mary had some crippling spiritual disease. That there was demonic oppression all over her body and she struggled to live a normal life until she met Jesus who released her, healed her and freed her and her life was transformed. And so she'd given up like so many others and followed this Jesus to whom she had literally been given her life back. Story now though, had taken a horrible and unexpected twist. Just a day or so before she'd watched her healer die. Just a day or so before She'd watched the one who had saved her seemingly be unable 
to save herself. She was there as the life she had received slipped away from the one who'd given it. So she makes her way in the early morning mist to be there just one last time. When she gets there, she's totally disorientated, uh, totally thrown, disturbed, as we looked at a few weeks ago, disorientated by the massive stone that protected the living from the dead being rolled out of the way. The grave looked ransacked, robbers already there before her, the body presumed stolen. So she rushes back to the other disciples and two of the guys race off to the tomb. And unlike Mary, they head straight in as we saw on the video clip at the beginning of our service. Uh, uh, Was it ransacked? No. Was everything out of place? No. In fact, the grave was perfect just as it had been left. The grave closed just as they'd been laid, except one thing. There was no body. He was not there. The fear-filled, panic-driven men race back home. But Mary, she lingers. Mary stays. And we pick up the story in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Her grief has rooted her to the spot. She can't go back, but she knows she can't go forward either. She stands helpless, weeping, inconsolable, hopeless, bereft, despairing. Meet Mary as tears of sorrow and of grief flow freely, unrelentingly, that first Easter morning. It had started so well for her. Jesus had changed her life. But now it's gone so horribly, horribly wrong. Do you know this Mary? yourself? Do you know this story in your own experience? Do you know what it is for something to have started out so brilliantly well and yet now gone so unbelievably wrong? A relationship, a marriage, a job, a move, a decision, a journey. It started so well, but this Not this, never this. What are you weeping for this morning? What causes you to stop in your tracks, knowing you can't go back, but with equal knowledge, knowing somehow you just can't go forward either? She can't believe it. And sometimes neither can we. And like her, we're stuck, immobilized. Can't go back, can't go forward. And when it all goes wrong, if you know the feeling, it seems to all go wrong, doesn't it? Not one thing, but so many things. Was it bad enough that they killed him, but now they've desecrated the tomb and stolen his body? The sense of dishonor in a Jewish culture would have been ginormous. And life's like that, isn't it? Not one thing, but many things. Everything, one thing after another. You will say it's been that kind of month. Or you will say it's been that kind of year. In your hardest moments, you'll say it's been that kind of life. And she's hopeless. The best she can hope for is a dead Jesus to bury again. 
And maybe that's how hopeless sometimes our tears feel. I can't go back and I can't go forward. And she stands there weeping. And so do we. It was that same helplessness that all the other disciples faced as well. That same pain and heartache. But many of those men and women were not yet ready to cry. For Peter and John in our story, they don't hang around very long. Do you notice that? They can't get away quick enough. They face the same pain. They've experienced the same trauma. They've been struck by the same agony. But they shut it out. They lock it away. They push it down. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to feel it. I'm not going to look at it. In fact, I'm going to run from it. I'm desperate to forget it. Desperate to move on. Keep busy. Keep moving. It'll be all right. Just keep going. Soon these men are back in Galilee. They're trying to escape all that's happened. They go back to what they know. If only we fish once more, we can pretend it has never happened. But as we'll see next week, you can't. You can't run from your own pain. You can't hide in the end from your own hurt. Today Peter runs, but it will catch him up early one morning on a Galilean beach. Can I ask you, are you running this morning? Are you running? Desperate to escape your own feelings. Somehow trying to evade your own hurts. Sure you can run. But in that great saying that no one seems to know where it's from, you can't hide. You can run, but in the end, you can't hide. So when and where will your tears flow? Many of us have chosen not to weep, because we're afraid. Well, what if I look at that? What if I face that? We say things like, if I let the lid off, I'll never get it back on. If I start to cry, I'll never stop. The pain somehow we fear will overwhelm us. The heartbreak will break us. I've got to stay strong. I've got to keep going, keep moving, keep busy. As you meet Mary stopped in her grief, I'm inviting you today to choose to stop with yours, with your sadness, with your loss, with your disappointment, with your whatever. And there are a host of psychological and medical reasons why I might encourage you to stop. It's good to let those tears flow. Who, who was it that said that real men don't cry? So they get bitter and angry and hurt as many people around them as possible. Is that what big men do? Ooh, that's quiet. Is that what big men do? Many reasons why we'd say the tears need to flow, but just one this Easter Sunday morning. It is in your tears, it is in your heartbreak, in your desperation that the risen Jesus meets you. That's it. 
That's the story. That's the message. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. He said, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Jesus meets us in our tears. There's a fantastic book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. And Isaiah was given insights by God of things that would happen hundreds of years later. So there are some great passages that tell the story of Jesus long before Jesus was even born. People go, oh, that's not real, it's all fixed, that's all whatever. And then they found the Dead Sea Scrolls some while back, and it contained all of those passages from Isaiah. That nailed it too, in another kind of way. So Isaiah's writing about Jesus centuries, hundreds of years before Jesus was to come on the earth. And there's this beautiful, beautiful verse that I want to draw your attention to. On this mountain, the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of crucifixion, same place where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and then God provided all links up together. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud, the clothing of death that covers all nations. Death that hangs over all humanity. Death that makes us despair. Death that takes away hope the moment it rises within us. Death that snuffs out the light of our lives as we know it. He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. The sheet of death that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And then this beautiful bit, which That was just an extra freebie. This is the bit. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. It's what he wants to do for you this morning. For some of you, that's why you're here today. No accident, no chance, no coincidence. Because he wants to meet you. And wipe away your tears. He wants to lift that sense of disgrace. He wants to lift the shame, the disillusionment, whatever hovers over you and would cause you to weep if only you'd let it. How did all those disciples feel? They were disillusioned, they were fearful, they were a laughing stock, they were awkwardly embarrassed to say the least, totally distraught and fearing for their lives. Mary was about to get all that lifted as she meets the risen Jesus in her tears. And it was just one word. It's not difficult or complicated. It's not hard. It's not a a, a massive list of a million things that you will need to do. And one day maybe you'll be okay. Just one word. Jesus said, Mary. Just her name. Personal. Reassuring. Transforming. Mary. Imagine if the risen Jesus whispered your name today. Can you hear it? Dare you believe it? 
Can you receive it? Notice she clings to him. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to my Father. Essentially, the circumstances were to be unchanged. Jesus was still leaving. It was still the end of what they'd known. The circumstances effectively wouldn't change. And God never promises us that the circumstances will change. I'm not telling you at all that your situation, the facts that surround you will be different, but everything will change if you hear the risen Jesus call your name. Nothing will ever be the same, even though it is still the same. And tears of sorrow and despair became tears of hope and of joy. I've seen the Lord. She races off to those disciples. I've seen him. He's alive. Everything's changed. It's true. All that we hoped, all that we dreamed, all that we'd lost, offered again. And these can be your tears too. So what happens to all that pain and all that sadness and all that disappointment and all that brokenness and all that hurt and all that frustration and all the anguish and all the shame and all the the sense of guilt and all that. What happens to all of that? Do you know what? Fantastic pun. Makes the whole series worth it. Jesus nailed it on the cross. He nailed it. That's where it's gone. No wonder the sky went dark when your sin And mine was laid on Jesus. No wonder the sky went dark when your grubby thoughts and mine, when our sinful, careless, calculated actions and mine, when your uh, rebellion and mine, when your shame and mine, when your guilt and mine was laid on him. No wonder it went dark. All your sorrow, all your regret, all your anger, all your heartache. Nailed it. On the cross that Friday. And the river flows. As you hear him call your name this morning, you can leave all that behind. As you hear him call your name this morning, you can leave all that behind. That's why again and again the promises of the Bible that weeping may last a night time. And if you're a young parent, the nighttime goes on almost forever, doesn't it? In the moment, it feels like it's going on forever. It's never going to end. Will this baby please go to sleep? And when you're in the agony of all that you've gone through, it feels like it will never end. It will never finish. It will never be over. But the long night of Good Friday has given way to the glorious daybreak of Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. And that's the deal. Jesus nailed it. And we believe as a church here that Jesus is here right now, the risen Jesus. And he can whisper your name just as easily as he whispered Mary's name that first Easter Sunday morning. And we believe that he wants you to meet him just like she did. We believe that he wants to change your circumstance, your countenance, your life, just like he did hers. And some of you are ready. Your tears are flowing. You're desperate. You're open. You realize that it's hopeless. All you've got to look forward to is whatever that might be 
All she had to anticipate was to find a dead Jesus and bury him again. Some of you are ready. And others of you are running. At least you were until I started rambling on. And you thought, oh, flip. Shut him up. Lots of people say that for all kinds of reasons. Some of you are going, shut him up, because I'm running. I'm pushing on. I'm not stopping. might be Easter. If I eat enough chocolate, get back to work quick enough. If I just keep this whole show on the road, we keep all the wheels moving, if we keep it all going. Today, the risen inv- Jesus invites you to stop running. To stop running, to know, to face the truth. You can't go back, for sure. But you keep being running, you keep him moving, because you're not really sure how to go forward either. And in these moments, I'm going to invite you to respond. We do it very quickly and simply here at Burlington. I'll ask you in a moment if you want to respond to something that you sense God saying to you to stand. We don't hang around. We don't wait for ages. We don't say your coaches will wait for you. We don't say all that stuff. We just get on with it. Because this is the moment. This is the deal. And I'm inviting you that if, if you're ready... You know what that pain is. You know why you're crying. You know why your heart's broken. You know the pain that you're facing. I believe Jesus wants to speak your name. And I believe he wants to do that now in this moment. And I'm going to invite you to stand right now. And then there are others of you. And you're running. And you know that you're running. And you're not quite sure what it's all about yet, but you know that it's time to stop. You know that it's time to press the pause button. Time to get in touch with what's really going on. It's time to say, no, I'm not going to be afraid. Because the fear that keeps me locked inside, that I'll never get this lid back on, that I'll never get myself through it, is the lie of the enemy that in the end will stop you meeting the very one who can change you from the inside out. I'm going to pray a simple prayer that invites Jesus to call your name in your heart. If you're ready for that, please stand. Father, we're inviting your Holy Spirit to come. Inviting the risen Jesus to make his presence known. We pray for those who are standing deep in their hearts, that in their inner world, in their inner life, they would hear you now call your name. The grace of God is this, that some of us know that we should be standing and we're just having this huge tussle and we're feeling rubbish about ourselves. Just remember those disciples that stayed locked in the room. Jesus came to them. He'll come to you even now. God's in a good mood. God's in a good mood. That's not some insight. That's just an eternal truth. God's in a good mood for you. Spirit of God, would you whisper their names? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.